I like stories about people's lives um, and the complexity of human beings and how how they can be so flawed and then create such great works, which I guess they're both married in. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the exploration and discussion of art and the creative process. I am your host and the creator, Aaron S. This is the second part of my interview with the artist, Alex Beastman. If you haven't heard the first part, please go back to last week's episode because this one continues with the last one left off. Thank you very much. Alex is an artist from the UK whose work blurs the lines between fine art and illustration, opting to use his intuition to figure out how the work will progress. Taking inspiration from a wide range of sources, he has created his own world through his art. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Alex, and I really hope you enjoy it too. I didn't recover any costs, other than the fact that um, meeting people, <laughs> that's the, the other. I think, you know, I said to quite a few artists, I said, and it was probably easier for me to say as an outsider, but I was like, don't think about the money. That's, no, that's a stupid thing to say. So, <laughs> Don't think about the money because at the end of the day, you don't know what the experience you're going to get from it is in terms of like a lot of art is about who you know. And it's like, you don't know who's going to see that work and particularly in person as well. Because, you know, there's like, there's, you know, I'm not going to name names because I'll probably end up interviewing them. But there were certain people that um, whose work I was really impressed with. And when I spoke to them, they were really interesting. But I can kind of tell that they weren't really there for necessarily the right reasons. Um, they were just like, oh, I need to sell work, I need to sell work. And it's like, well, it's not just about selling work. That selling work is an aspect of being an artist. Networking is going to be what's going to get you those exhibitions, what's going to get you, you know, the exposure that you, the actual, you know, necessary exposure, other than, you know, people seeing your work on social media, you know, your rapport and how you talk to people, that's what's going to make you memorable, as well as your work. Like, because, you know, I can see a work online and it, look, it would look great then I can also see your work online and I can skip past it. But then I can talk to you mm. about your work like I am now. And it's like, actually, I'm going to look at your work in a whole completely different way when I go back and look at it again later. And I think yeah. in that situation, in that circumstance, I think that's great. And, and it was great for me personally to go because I kind of forced people to talk to me about their work. And so many people were uncomfortable doing that because I was just like, oh, tell me about your work to everybody I met. Um, and they'll probably all hate me for it. But um, it's also really interesting because it challenges you. It challenges you to think, okay, so what is your work about? Rather than just being like, okay, I'm an artist. Here's my work, buy it. You know, mm. I think like, and I, okay, so I guess coming back to a question I probably should ask you rather than I've rambled on is, um, do you like talking about your work? Yeah, I do. Um, not on, the, <laughs> I like talking about my work, but maybe not on that scale. Yeah. Um, because like, as you can tell when I talk to you now, there's a lot into it there's a lot to it and it's um it can be quite a, a mental um task to have to explain to like 50 people in a day yeah. just that what we've yeah. what we've had in this conversation um and and then sometimes i feel am i is this a pitch uh and and a lot of the time it was a pitch um and but then you find yourself. Uh, I mean, I like talking about my work in in terms of the exhibition, the art crowd. That's guess where it, it has its place more than anywhere else. Um, 
obviously I like to you know, converse with the general like I mean I don't want to say general, no, general public, public but yeah. that that is the that is yeah. the thing. I mean yeah. um I mean a lot of my work I really enjoyed the people that would come up because my work very much has a crowd. I, I had quite a lot of scientists, a lot of doctors oh, wow. um that um that that were really and a few physicists I saw a few physicists there. Um and they were the people that really got it because it's like it's it's all based around the ideas and i guess it's because um i don't know i mean we think in a similar way i guess it's that obsession with science and 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 humanity i guess doctors and scientists i guess that's why they get into these works but um yeah so i enjoy talking to them about it and i enjoy talking to people other artists um and i enjoy talking to the general public uh it can but like i said it can be Sometimes it can, you feel like, yeah, I think you have to limit yourself to what you, I know it sounds, I don't know if this sounds bad, but what you think people are going to understand or yeah. going, what, going to want to hear. Because I, I don't want to fire into like a conversation talking about the theories of Deleuze uh, to the person that just goes, oh, wow, that's a cool picture. And then they're like, <laughs> And and you some you know and then sometimes you lose them you lose them by over explaining like because they're they're not they're not from a they haven't done a masters in fine art and they're probably not interested really well they might be interested but is it like am I am I trying to feed them too much information in some sort of weird pitch hoping that they're gonna go, oh I love it let's buy the work it feels like I'm on sale myself see I think that's really interesting because I kind of feel like. It sounds weird, but in a way, I'm glad that I didn't actually speak to you at the fair because I feel like this is the best place to talk to you about your work because yeah. it's one on one. There's nobody else around. There's no crowds of people who are moving back and forth, you know. And you can ha you have the time to explain what your work's about, and, yeah. And you have the time to think of what your work's about, which I think. And is... my my um my dyslexia plays a part in this as well because it's always like that idea of when I come back. I'm like, oh, I forgot to mention that, or I forgot to mention this, or I could have, I would, I, it's like my brain jumps around, and, and unless I talk to someone in a long form, uh, where you ask me, and then I'm like, then I can think about what I said before, what I said after. So at the fair, it kind of had to be scripted. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, I just feel like I'm just rambling. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, this is why I like doing interviews with people and having conversations like one on one because you know you dive deeper into the work, you dive deeper into kind of your ideas and thoughts and opinions, and it's not just a, oh, I'll talk to you for like ten minutes and I'll move on to the next person because I was very very aware that that's what I was doing for like six hours straight, um, which it worked out well for me and the way that I did it, but also I'm very conscious that I don't know, I don't know how much people relate to that. And also people saw me walk around like literally almost everybody. So, and there's plenty of people that I still didn't see that I really wanted to talk to that I'm like, damn, I might just message anyway. But, um, well, I did the same as you. And I, sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes I feel like the fine art inquisitor. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, I, I want to go and I want to go and I want to go and talk to them. And I, I expect sometimes too much. Uh, and I expect, the level of thought that I put yeah. into my work to be into theirs. And sometimes you get disappointed. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I was disappointed. And then I'll just be like, uh, and then, uh, well, and like some, so, 
I mean, sometimes someone can say, well, it's just because they're living in the sea and they like painting. And, and there's no, that's nothing bad about that. It's just, but I sometimes I, I come with this idea in my head, like they're going to go into these deep metaphors and, and sometimes it's just not the case. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't comfortable talking about their work as well. Um, yeah. Which is on the island. Um, sometimes people, and people just don't want to. And you ask them a question, you just see that, you just look at them and you see them roll their eyes and you see them think, oh God, not this. Um, and then it, you know, and it, it was fun for me because I just asked them more questions if they did that. Because, um, well, we, I had a few, um, I had a few uh, people that I would tell, do you want me to explain a bit about my work? And they just go, no. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> that's crazy that's absolutely crazy that happened quite a few that happened quite a few times but i guess it's because they're in that environment and maybe they've already had that saturation and they're like i don't want to talk again to another artist about their work i mean that's hilarious i was there for the i don't i mean i don't know what their reasoning was but that happened more than once really that's crazy because yeah. i was there quite, literally quite to, a few times i was literally there to literally yeah. talk to everybody and anybody about their work and, yeah yeah so. no, yeah like well i guess that's where you get like the art tourist um we had um because it was quite quite close near we saw a group of guys that literally just it was like a social event they came they stood in the aisle with a drink talked to each other didn't look at the work talked about what they were doing later and then went should we go to another show and then just walked off didn't look at any work and one one guy was on the phone and he was like Oh yeah, we're just at the art fair in London. We just popped in, like, and it was almost like it was somewhere to go, just so you could tell someone that you went to an art fair. Yeah. You didn't actually look at the work. Like that's like that's the thing. Like I feel like art's such an important subject, and it's so important to kind of preserve it and kind of you know just kind of be just raise the awareness of it and kind of be a bit more like you know art's awesome. People should pay more attention to it. People should appreciate it more. Mm. That I feel like stuff like that like rubs me up the wrong way. It's like it's not clout you're chasing by being an art fair because it's not going to get you anything. Like at least talk to the no. people who have spent time and money to be there and effort to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just like, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, but like, yeah, that's just the way it is, I guess though. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I sure as like, you can't inflict, you can't um, tell people, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. But then I think, well, why are you at a fair? Why are you at the art fair? Um, yeah, but it was it was definitely nice to see a fair few people there though. I think it was quite nice. Yeah, um, and it was nice to see it was quite busy and 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 particularly the camaraderie between the artists was very nice to see. That was very nice. Yes, yeah, we we did enjoy a few beers at the stalls. Um, it it was quite it was good fun. I mean, after the third day, it was kind of like <laughs> I want to go home, <laughs> uh, but. I mean, I don't know if that would have changed if I'd have sold a few more prints, but I guess I'd I'd already set it up so it was more to be hand business cards. Maybe people will get back later. It was more just to see, uh, to talk to people about my work. So I was already prepared for that anyway. But standing around for three days uh, was it got a bit tiresome after a while. And once it finished in the day, I was like, oh, yeah, so <laughs> I need to go home. Yeah. I think also it's because that's like a part of art that you don't really think about in terms of like self-promotion and kind of just having to literally just stand there because like that's three days you're not creating you know it's like time you're yeah. taking away from doing the thing you want to be doing 
So um, actually, yeah. let's talk a bit about self-promotion. Like, like, what are your opinions on self-promotion and, and how do you kind of manage that? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I mismanage it. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes, uh, like, um, it's it, it's hard, you know. Like, um, it's finding the right place. So I do, I do promote myself. And obviously, I'm quite active on Instagram. And I like to talk about my work and share my work. Um, and within the wider community of art uh, at the university and other people in different um, so I try and promote myself as much as I can but then I don't want to do too much you know because it's like I don't want to because my because and also the way I make work is quite slow so it's like I don't Sometimes I feel like I don't want to be like, oh yeah, here's another line I've drawn, <laughs> and here's another one, and it's like, well, shall I just wait until I've created some work? And I guess for me at the moment, my self promotion, like I, I do, I have a company um, that does my prints for me of my recent work, like the three, so, and that I can, if someone, I, I, I have, I have set up a website so it sells through there but obviously i i need to promote it more and it needs to have a bit more exposure i guess i'd say i mean i always go back to this thing it's like it's a long game and i don't i'm not um i'm quite patient i think i'm quite patient that in the fact that i know that i'm 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 making good work and eventually if i have a body big enough then that will pay off I don't, because I don't want to be flitting from one piece to the next, uh, promoting it as in, oh, I've made this one next piece, I've made this next one piece. Um, and I know people that do that, and they um, they do, they're very successful at it. Like, um, I, there was another guy at the fair, Jeff Murray, who does the ancient art. Like, so I, I kind of know him through Instagram, and we talked for quite a few years, and that was the first time I've met oh, wow. at the fair. Um, and he's kind of like, He's out there doing it. He, he promotes his work very well. He he know he's he's got it down. He's got a great Instagram, great website. So he I look to him for advice as well because he's he's been through this whole process. So he he said it started out slow. He said don't expect too much. He said just build and build and build. So it's good to know people like that because I mean and he's he's always a great help and can always ask more questions. So um so it's kind of you want to sort of base your model on people that you know are doing it in the right way that you'd like to do it and then kind of just aim for that but don't don't rush so i so i i mean i mean mate i'm quite relaxed about it maybe too relaxed but i feel like it's um i don't know i just enjoy making work and like i said to you i want I eventually I mean, I'm, I want to write a book, and I'm starting to write a book, a novel, and I've just finished my dissertation. So I, and I'm very happy with, um, I'm very happy with the the the, um, the comments that I got back from my dissertation because it was very, very, um, it was very much a story because uh, they they leave it quite open uh, the MA to, to 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 create what you want. So. I, I get I get a little bit bored of these long form dissertations where it's like this person said that and this person said that and 
this was the history. I mean, and I know that's what it is. It's an academic subject, and that's what the criteria is. But because they left it quite open, and I, I just went straight in and made a made a, a story basically. Um, and yeah, I was very happy with how that was received. So I'm going to transfer that into um, maybe writing a novel about this world that I've created. So it's so weird you should say that because I was going to ask you earlier. Like, have you ever thought mm. about writing a novel? Because I feel like what you're describing with your work is really like, it's, you know, it's a narration, you know, and I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think something like that would be yeah, great. It, I've got, um, yeah, I'm going to do it. I mean, I am kind of doing it. I, mean, I, I, I feel like I've got a lot of things on the side. I, yeah. I kind of, I wanted to dip my toe into, like, now I've got my dissertation feedback and I was like, actually, like, this, it turned out a lot better than I thought. And the comments were like, the woman, she said, uh, or whoever, they said that it was, they put it was thrilling to get to the actual end of the, um, the thing. Cause it, I, it was, a, it was about a, a meet. So I, I, I put, I, I centered it around a conversation between someone who, I guess it was me, who gets visited by a visitor from a parallel universe. Um, and they, and then they sort of co-opt and just talk to input, uh, put uh, questions into their brain about what they're doing here. And then he, so basically how to describe linear time to a visitor from another uh, uh, dimension or another uh, world. Um, and then it slowly becomes the realization that the visitor is there just to um, use me as part to turn me into a machine to make me talk in algorithms to progress physics to a higher level. So then it was like he was using it for his own politics in his own time. So he could basically use me to, to do that. And then there's a whole conversation about humanity. And, and I tried to explain to the visitor what humanity is and, and where we're going. And then eventually, it becomes that it becomes aware that he's there only to use me as a tool. Um, yeah. That's really interesting how that parallels your work quite well mm. in terms of like, it, I don't know, just the, like the way you think about things is actually really fascinating. And I think it's kind of, it puts your work into a very different perspective and, you know, like in a very good way. Um, and it makes me very fascinated about what you're going to do next because I feel like you're very conscious of what you're doing. It's not just a, mm let's create this work really quickly and get crash cash grab and you know kind of oh let's just you know you know you know it's not about and you know i think it's a great mentality to have like it's not about oh let's just become famous quote unquote famous and successful and oh let's just make as much money as we can right now because this is trendy it's like actually what am i interested in what do i want to say what am i you know kind of you know it comes from you in a on a deeper level than just the superficial and I think that's very, very commendable, and it's very interesting. I mean, I, I was like I said to you, it's like I admire the people from history, but um, like just any any of the great artists that you can name off the top of your head, or and, and they all went through this process of making long projects that, and then they moved on and creating like. I mean, I was fascinated by the idea. I mean, maybe I was a little bit naive when I was when I was starting out that. Like you like you want to create a movement, like because you hear in history, it's like, well, how the hell did someone create a movement? 
like Picasso and Baroque, they create cubism. And it's like, I mean, I'd like, I mean, obviously, <laughs> now I realize that I guess that's not decided for you, or maybe it is. I mean, you can, I mean, how is, I, I guess I'm, what I'm getting at is, is there, is there a movement around the corner that someone could create or have you saturated it so much that it's, it's no longer has the, the scope to be that original anymore. Uh, uh, because we've come to this point in history. Uh, and I guess that's where my work's going. I, I, I feel it would be empty if I flitted around from one place to another. So I feel to be recognized. And this is what I tell my friends. I feel you've got to really dig in and go for something that once you look back at it, you're going to go, actually, I've really created something here that was, and I guess that a lot of the artists that I admire have done that. It's like a body of work that exists and it's, and you can see that it's, it's happened over time. Um, and I guess that's how I, but I, that's how I think I'll feel successful eventually. It's just, um, uh, I mean, obviously the money would be nice because then it may give me more time to, to focus on my work, but I kind of like the tension of never, uh, I feel that sometimes maybe if I was too comfortable, if I had a lot of money, would my work change? Or would I, would I have the same sort of cynical, uh, view to create like these complex worlds? Um, if, if I was too comfortable, I know, would I just go to painting daisies because everything was rosy all the time? I don't know. That's really fascinating. And I'm super curious, like what, so what do you think it means to be a successful artist? Well, at least, or at least, what's your idea of success? Um, um, I would say to 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 be recognised, I guess, as as someone that's created something that's worth taking notice of. Um, no matter how long that takes. Um, because otherwise, I guess, what's the point? I mean, you can make a lot of money, but I, it's, people already have money sometimes. Of course. It's like, uh, I, I know a lot of pe people sometimes already have money and they want to be an artist. And then sometimes it doesn't happen anyway. Yeah. So with all the money in the world, they still can't be an artist. So it, it seems to be that unobtainable thing that, you just have to work at it anyway. So I kind of don't think the money even makes, so I, I don't put that in the conversation really. I mean, it's a side effect. You know? Yeah, because as you said earlier, like, all money does is buy you more time to create more work. And in my experience of talking to people, the only reason people want, like, artists want to make money is just so they can create more work. That's really the point. Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants to be rich from being an artist. Yeah. So these people just want more time to be able to create more work because they enjoy creating the work. It's not even about like yeah. how much money they make per se. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I honestly think sometimes I don't know if I would have the same outlook if I would already had enough money to not have to work or to, to I mean, obviously it's hypothetical because I'll never know. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I maybe I'll find out, which would be nice. But I mean, I guess, um, I think your view of 
life and art is obviously going to change as you get older. And I'm nearly, I'm nearly 40 now. Um, and because I came into it a bit later, having already had a working life, I feel like that helps me be a bit more relaxed about it. Not rather than, because I, I know a lot, uh, I study with a lot of people that are a lot younger than me. And it's like, well, I want to be an artist. And they, that's where they are at 20. And it's like, wow, I mean, that to me might sound a bit daunting. Because imagine that that's all you, you put all your eggs in one basket. And that, that's kind of, and, it, and then if it doesn't pan out, then what do you, what do you do? You know, that's the thing like you're very grounded that's the thing like that's the way to put it like you're very grounded and i like that and i think maybe it might be your, it might be age and it might be the experience you've had previously um but i think that's really interesting and actually i really like people with your mentality i think it kind of just shows you that you know what you think art is isn't really what art actually is in real life when you actually become an artist i think you know it's very easy to watch from the sidelines and be like oh this artist is selling you know 100 prints a day and they're making you know so much money and whatever but actually in reality how much hard work had to happen for them to even do that you know i I, I sometimes think people think from the outside that maybe i'll do better than i am because as soon as if you sell someone like oh i I sell prints as well they think you're selling bloody hundreds all the time i wish it's like it's like a slow, it's like the slowest grind ever, like, um, which is good. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough game to be in. And I don't think you could ever, don't ever get into it if you're not passionate about it. And definitely don't do it for money. Absolutely. I think it's like, it's very much like a passive income in a way, because there's, there's no guarantee it's going to be fruitful. You know, what kind of is the compromise of being an artist? Like, and what do you kind of sacrifice? Well, the main thing is, uh, I guess, you have to give up. I mean, if you want to be an artist, like we said, that's not always thinking about money, it's about being an artist. You have to give up the idea that you're ever going to earn a stable income from... Well, you don't have to give it up, but you have to be aware that this is not something that's going to... Well, something happens straight away. So I guess you have to... I think you have to give up the... um, the stable, the stable income thing. Oh, no I, mean, if you're, I don't know. I, I guess if you were, I mean, I, I don't like to keep going on about it, but if, if you're working class and you've always just worked and you didn't really have that backing, then you have to accept that it's always a secondary thing. So you have to, you have to compromise on having a stable uh, living. But then also, I guess you have to, for me, I have I've had to sort of have two lives, separate myself from what I was in the past in a way. And I feel like I've changed, like I said to you earlier, I've changed so much. So I have to compromise. I have to compromise myself and the fact that I know I am a different person and I'm not the person I was before. So I've had to sort of, I don't know, make make new friends and new contacts and then kind of like, distance myself from um the relationships that i used to maintain in the past because i i don't maintain them because i don't find that interesting because i have changed so much it's like an um it's like an artistic rebirth yeah yeah so i'm not that person anymore 
And I, it was bad to say, but sometimes when I go back and I see old friends that I've known for years, I find myself like, oh, I get bored. I don't know what to talk about. I mean, you sure you can go? I know it sounds no, bad, no, no, but no. I, do. I know that feeling a little bit too well. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was, and I, and then and then sometimes I feel like um, you, I don't know. I feel there's a little bit of resentment on both sides because I resent them for not. Uh, I resent like me changing because then I can't communicate with them because I get bored and then it's like that. So I guess you have to you have to change yourself. Um that's the compromise. You have to change yourself and realise that this is not just something that you can do on a whim and it will change you. You have to compromise yourself and compromise that um stability. But it's definitely worth it for me. So this is kind of jumping back a slight bit because I realized I was meant to ask you earlier and I forgot. Um, so when you create your work, do you create in a studio? I'm assuming you have a studio. No, no, oh, no. You don't have a studio? Not at all. No. Oh. It's all been, um, oh, I don't have enough money for a studio. <laughs> I wish. Uh, it's uh, been, uh, my, my, my life is based around the, uh, the capitalist system in which I don't have a lot of money. As I mean, I don't know if that's how it should always be, you know? Uh, it's just the artist's journey, isn't it? That makes you, struggling art. That makes you very humble, I think. You yeah, know, I, I mean, and that's... Um, I... Whatever table I've got, I work on my... Whatever's flat surface is where I work. So I was going to say to you, I was going to ask you, so like, how does the environment you're in affect, you know, the work you create? I've just moved to Streatham, but before I lived, where I did my BA was in Farnham, which is very much like countryside-ish out of the way. And I lived on the big, uh, this big hill. Um, I mean, the house was very much student digged, but it was, I had this lovely view that just looked out across Surrey. And, um, and I missed that because that was where I created these three works. And that was like, it was like two years of my life sitting at that same table looking out on that same view, it was quiet at night, there was a lovely uh, wooded area behind me. So to have the peace to look out somewhere nice affects, I don't know if it affects the content, but it affects me being able to work in a certain way uh, where I can just dedicate a lot of hours to it in sort of peace. Uh, but no, I guess... No, it doesn't affect what's within the world. See, that's super funny for me because that's completely the opposite of what I thought, the kind of environment I thought you worked in. I honestly would have thought you would have had like a studio that's like near enough soundproof just for you to be able to focus on what you're doing and kind of be like, you know, a lot of space just so that you can focus. And I think that's kind of interesting that you are able to create, you know, such chaotic work in a way in an environment that may potentially be just as equally as chaotic. I mean, I, I... I mean, my, my general setup would be I either watch documentaries and science lectures or most of the time, because they're quite long drawings, it, I, I'm, I listen to a lot of music, just constantly browsing. Do you listen to podcasts? Um, yeah, I do, a few. Uh, I listen to um, Sean Carroll's Mindscape. Which is great. That's the great science. That's good. I mean, a lot of documentaries that I listen to find my way into my, like a lot of podcasts I, I listen to find my way into 
the work. And uh, Sean Carroll's like this American physicist, um, and he's he's done a lot of lectures at the Royal uh, Royal Institution as well. So they kind of cross over, and and his yeah his podcast is really good, and he gets a lot of interesting people, and they talk about everything from dinosaurs to modern science, physics, everything. Um, I'd definitely worth checking out if you've not heard of it. Um, I watch a lot of war. I watch a lot of war documentaries. Okay. Um, and I kind of, I don't know if it because I mean I know you said but it sort of gets me in the mindset to uh, to create the work sometimes because then it's if you watch a war documentary it's got everything it's got ideologies it's got humanity. It's got the horrors, it's got the, the adulation of winning, it's got the technology, it's got the science, it's got, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it kind of got, has got humanity as a whole in, if you watch a good one. I mean, a, a lot of people probably wouldn't like that, but it's true. <laughs> uh, there was a great one, um, which I created, I created this massive peak on a war, and it was like a 10 hour Vietnam documentary that was on Netflix. It was in 10, 10 pieces. And it covered everything from the start to the finish. And, um, and I remember, I remember when I was creating it, it was like, it was really, really hot. And one of my favorite films is Apocalypse Now. Uh, so I kind of, I felt like I was like locked in my room watching like, and there was bombs going off. And it was like, I it felt like I put myself like I was in that sort of situation. There's always jungles on the screen. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. That's fascinating how your environment affects the way you create and kind of like how you kind of cultivate a certain atmosphere so that you can create. Because I imagine if you were listening to classical music, it'd be very different for you to create and your mindset wouldn't be the yeah, same. Which I do. I, I do do that as well. Uh, it depends because sometimes it's about getting the ideas, like the ideas are there to just hang about over me, not to be directly, because you can't, I can't put them directly yeah. in. They, I'll just make little notes around the edge. I'll put this in, put that in, think about this philosophy while I'm doing it. Um, and then like the classical music and all of that will come when it's the, the labor of actually getting the work done, like the thousands of dots. So that's super interesting. I was really, I'm just really fascinated by the whole process that you don't plan your stuff. That's just so, I just seem so. It seems kind of at odds with the way people consider art to be. Um, but then also it's really interesting because obviously it's planned, but that doesn't mean there's no thought put into it. You know? Oh, yeah. Just because it, it's... Um, it's It opens up the opportunity for things to change. And if you're too rigid, then I don't... I don't feel being too, if I'm too rigid, then there's no element of surprise and there's no element of invention as I go. And there's no room for me to change what I'm thinking. Um, so it, it, it has to be that way. And I've always made works that way because then it's like the story. It's the story. It's the narrative in my head that, that has to play out. Um, and that's why I don't ever make, like you're saying, I would never make mistakes because, um, I don't know, I've got it down to like a, like a, like a science and I can cover up if I did make a mistake. 
because what I do is I use the mistakes to just change it into com- something completely different. Yeah, that's true. But, but the mistakes will be so minor that you would only know if I told you. It wouldn't. It would be pointless me even telling you. It'd be like, oh, there's there was a a line there that was two millimeters over what I wanted. <laughs> so then I, so then I made an extra, so then I made an extra box. Like, like, like at my work, I work on a timber saw, and the amount of people who are very, very particular about one millimeter things being a millimeter over, <laughs> like I'm well aware of how aggravated grown men can get over. A oh millimeter. yeah. Um, well, I, I can. I know what I mean. I've, I've used the saw before, so so to get a millimeter is that a millimeter where it's cut, or is that the millimeter of the saw yeah. whip? Or it's yeah. like, come on, like, wait, and, what do you want? And, and people get very riled up about it, and you're like, it's a millimeter. Like you can free. I'm pretty sure it's gonna fit. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. I mean, I think maybe I exaggerated with two millimeters, but yeah, it does. It does get like that because when you go, there's different systems of drawing, obviously, and the reason that um, I did the the pointillism style was because I wanted to just do it in pen, and usually I would just shade with a pencil. But then I thought, well, how can I get the shading that I would like to have in, a, in work that I do with my pencil? And the only other option was pointillism. And I, I don't really get on with cross hatching in my work because it's not that style. It's too loose. Um, so it's either pencil or that pointillism style to get gradients, uh, and that can be time consuming. So it doesn't really. I mean, I don't know. I'm just not used to making mistakes. That's good. That's a good thing. I don't thing. know if it's something um, Yeah, they don't... It's... Um, I don't think you can make mistakes in art. Like, I, I, I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't... I mean, not... I mean, if someone said, draw this house, and I mean... I think you're doing illustration, then. If you... if you, Or you're doing uh, uh, architectural drawing. If if you because then there's no room really to have any movement. If someone says, oh, "I want this house. Can you draw it to these dimensions?" Yeah. Then you can make mistakes because you're like, "Oh damn, I calculated too many on this side or whatever." Yeah. So I mean, I was I was just wanted to let you know uh, like a little bit more about. I like to look at the perspective, and I studied it a little bit because in some of my drawings, I like to. It's it's very much I use optical illusions and tricks as well. Um, which which come about organically, but because it's already in set in my mind. Because I like I used to be a bit obsessed with Escher, as you can probably tell. Um, so so in my first approximation, I've used one point, two point, and zero point perspective all at the same time, because to create that feeling of depth. But then as it's so flat, you can't really pick the perspective. It faces you, but then it does go in channels as well. See, that's the thing that always fascinates me about art is the fact that it's it's a two D surface, but it has more dimension than two D. You know, and I think that's mm. it. It always fascinates me because I think, you know, it's kind of its own world because what you look at and what you register is not necessarily the thing that it represents. It's just really interesting. That's you know, it's kind of why I like art. I think it's just fascinating. And you know, I guess your work is a perfect example of that. If you have different kind of points of perspective, because like you're not quite sure where you stand in relation to the work, which is also very interesting mm. as the viewer looking at it. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it comes from me wanting to always create worlds that I would want to, um, I want to live in. So then they, they, I, I, I would love to, I would love to move in. <laughs> I want to move in. I, I want to be there. That's like, I create them for myself to be. So how important is style in your work then? Um, I don't know if I have one. Other people would say I have one because they can look at my work externally yeah. but, and say, that's Alex Beeson's work. Um, but no, I don't. I mean, I would say it's, people say, you obviously you can get the, the, the standard phrases. It's architectural. It's it's illustrative. It's this, it's that. Uh, but I don't know if I have a style. Um, I don't know if I have to even answer that. It's like, I guess my style, I set out the drawing and whatever happens within the first few hours is how the style will come out. Okay. So whatever happens within the first few hours of the drawing, that is what's going to dictate how the rest of the drawing is going to look. And I don't plan that. So it's very eclectic is a good way to describe your work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I have in my mind like a, an atmosphere that I want to create. Yeah. That's how, that's how I would say like, like I have in my mind like, what's what what is what's the feeling i want to get out of this and and what would it feel like to be there and that's what i try and capture like the um yeah the atmosphere i try and capture that which reminds me that just reminded me if you said that is that didn't you also create soundscapes for your work as well yes yeah um my partner is an experimental musician um, and I've always wanted to create soundscapes because I, I, like I said to you, I want to live in the, I want to be like, I've always dreamt about time travel. Yeah. So I want to be there. I want to, so this is the, I mean, this is the closest way I can get to. So then it's like, I want to live in, I want to be there. I want to live there. So creating sounds to it is like that, that extra, um, it's just that another way of me getting closer to it. Um, because. I asked her. I, I asked her to create a piece, and she seems to just get what I want. Um, so I asked her to do what radiation sounds like when it's picked up on a Geiger meter. Um, not is it Geiger meter? Yeah. Um, so it crackles and fizzes when you get closer to. Have you seen um, Chernobyl and the elephant's foot? It's at the bottom. I have not known. Right, so when the freezing reactor melted down, it created, uh, it, it melted the core of the thing. And there's this thing at the bottom of it called the elephant's foot. It's like a massive metal, which looks like a big elephant's foot. And it's like the most radiated place you could go. Yeah, of to, course. Like, you, you would die if you get exposed to it for more than like 10 seconds or something. So I watched this documentary about this guy that went down there to film it. Um, and it was like crackling and and you can you, the guy with me it goes like that. so i want to create that kind of atmosphere for my second work uh where the scientist has gone to uh discover what's happened to humanity so um it was very much space around that um a lot of the ideas so yeah i wanted that radiated feel with, with this chaos of um 
not knowing what's happening. And, uh, that, I wanted that to create some sort of agitation uh, within you. So when you look at it, it's like, whoa, you get a bit intense. And um, I don't know, it's radiation, like I said, I guess <laughs> a lot of my works, I created a lot of abstracts as well, which were based around the idea of what uh, what would radiation look like if you went to a really high radiated spot? Because you know when you do film, it can eat the particles can go through the camera and eat up the film. Uh-huh. When it you, when you get into a really highly radiated area, because they become so strong that when you take pictures, you can see the particles on the film. Um, and I kind of I don't know if this is fiction, you know, it might be fiction, but I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere that it's like uh, and it can it can affect what you take as a picture oh. then you, it starts to eat holes in the exposure because there's so many particles at high intensity that uh it, it yeah so that's a lot of ideas as well that's fascinating so i'm just kind of curious what the correlation between art and music is because a lot of artists i know are also musicians um or at least they partake in some kind of form of music making um and i'm kind of just really curious about what the kind of correlation between the two are because they're both kind of quite hard careers. Yeah, I, I want to create them. I want, like I said, I want it to be an immersive experience. So when I finally do finish this project, I think I'm going to need, I'm going to need to have a show just so I can go, Please don't. that's the line under that. Uh, let's move on. I mean, I could work on it for the rest of my life. Uh, I definitely think there's enough scope. I don't. Uh, that's not def- That's definitely not out of the realms of possibility that I could work on this for the rest of my life. Because then, if a novel comes into it, then I could just expand it. And, um, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> so, do you think of your art as an escape? Yeah, definitely. For me, it's um, it's a, it's an escape for me to create things that other people admire as well. Because a lot of people, um, like, to be able to do something that a lot of people are, oh, wow, that's amazing. That is a, sort of an escape for me because it feels like I'm escaping a little bit away from, um, like, that sort of the rat race normality, yes. I think. Uh, so that, and and also, yeah, the, the escapism side of being lost in a fantasy world that because I was all like I I was always obsessed with the stories and fantasy fiction and sci-fi and now to be able to be able to create my own it's like yeah so it's I guess it's very much about that. yeah because it seems like it's very much like a, a self-escape but also for other people as well at the same time and it, it's kind of nice because yeah. it's very kind of metaphorically reflecting life I think that's really fascinating because maybe on first glance you wouldn't think of that. You'd think, okay, this is just a bunch of shapes together, or oh, this guy's you know done some pretty heavy jokes and it's just created like a bunch of things together, you know. But yeah. actually, now I'm talking to you about it. It's actually like actually there's a huge thought process behind it, and actually it's a very it's very reflective. You know, it's quite pensive, mm-hmm. and it, and it's kind of like it's almost like the time you take to create it reflects itself in the work. Like that's quite interesting. Like the time, yeah, like yeah, that's quite interesting in terms of like how you think, what you think of it before you talk to the person, and how you think about after is so different. So, yeah, and I, I like to stand back away from my work sometimes, and it's almost like I'd love to be able to 
tap into what people were thinking um just to to see what their reaction is and and like so it, it's it's that interest some people get it straight on they're like yeah and I'm like, how, how did these like it's almost an amazement that they think the same way that i do um and then other people uh like it needs explaining a bit but yeah it's, it's a fascination to create a world that uh, that uh, has a bit of depth to it. So, what kind of feedback do you like getting for your work? Um, or at least, what's valuable to you? Um, when people want to talk about the philosophy, because um, that's the level at which I want to talk about it, and when I can get into talking about the 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 many aspects of like human nature and uh, like the psychology behind how we exist and what that's that's really what um it's it's created for for me uh because like it, it and then so that's the level i'd like to talk about it but then it's quite exhausting sometimes it's to to talk about it like that all the time but yeah that to for someone to get that that's probably the the or just to even have the conversation it doesn't have to be um um it doesn't that they don't i don't know if they even have to like the work as long as maybe they get the ideas um because i get a lot of that as well like people love the ideas but they're like mm, i wouldn't really have that at home <laughs> but, then, but then the thing is that your work is not the kind of of this an aesthetically pleasing image to hang up in your home. It's not that's not really the purpose, you know. No, and I think and I wouldn't want someone to buy it just for that. Exactly. It's like I feel like it would be strange because I'd want to be there. Like, oh, did you really understand this? Like, oh, knock on their door. Like, so have you thought about the work anymore? Like, I, I, like, I can't. I, it would drive me mad if I knew that it would just gone to somewhere they were like, oh, yeah, that's a cool drawing. And they put it on the wall and they never really thought about it. But that's not for me to say, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I'm about to say it's, it's kind of the life it takes on after you kind of release into yeah, the world, exactly. I guess. Yeah. But then also, I think because oh, because it's complicated, you want people to look at it. You don't want people just to kind of browse over it. You know, it's, it's yeah. there to kind of be studied. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I appreciate anyone that um, that's going to look at the work and engage in it. If they, if they, that, that they enjoy seeing the amount of time I've put in to create something. I mean, that's always enjoyable. Yeah, kids particularly like it as well. There's so like we've got doctors and scientists of kids. That's good though. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah, good yeah. for people with kind of like imaginative minds. So I think that might, yeah, that yeah. might be the kind of audience you're attracting the people with imagination. Because the great thing about kids mm. is that kids are obviously very imaginative. Um, and they mm. kind of see things in a very different kind of a way that obviously adults see things. And that's sometimes underestimated. Um, yeah. I think that's probably yeah. a good thing in a way of kids like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gave, um, I had like a test print. Uh, it was like an A5 that I gave to this little boy that came to the art. <laughs> I said, I said to him, well, which one do you like? I, said, oh, I like the one that I mean, everyone likes the one that I started with because that was that was the start of this 
the project because I, I had in my mind that I'm going to create something that was a little bit more commercially sort of viable in a way, in my eyes, in my sort of style, you know, yeah. like it's a tiny bit more commercial. And so that's because because before I'd created like a big um, a big drawing of the the world, it had like concentration camps and um, heads in bags and circular saws and all of these things that were like um, that that's like the fine art so I wanted to create something that was that still that well but it was less visible as because um, I've, I've in the past a lot of my work was very um, I don't shy away from creating graphic content basically yeah. Uh, it's, if whatever needs to be in the drawing needs to be in the drawing, not really. I don't shy away from that. So, uh, so the first one that I created was within that mind to create something that was visually stunning, but while a little bit more accessible in in my style. <laughs> and actually, talking about kind of um, graphic content, do you think that there is such thing as artistic freedom? Or do you think that because, you know, we've got like social media guidelines and, and people being a bit like, you know, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Do you think that has changed the way people create art? Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know, there's two sides to that. So you either water down your, your work to fit what you think people would like and you should, I wouldn't want to do that anyway. Um, but I mean, I guess I kind of did, but I watered it down to something that I was going. I kind of was going to do anyway. It's just like I mean, I don't I don't have not compromised. Just to, just don't put a severed head in there. <laughs> it's it's it, it is like that comfort. So I guess you do because you you kind of want it to be well received. Um, but yeah, I I do feel like. In social media has opened up a opened up this world where everyone's an artist now. That is one Everyone. of my questions that I was going to ask you in a bit. Yeah, so um, it's, so it's opened up this this realm where if you can put pen to paper, then you can and and you you've got like some sort of I don't know wits about you that you 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 could explain it away. Um, you can create anything. Uh, and this is where I find we're getting into this what's bad, what's good art, what's bad art. Yeah. And you can you can get a lot of people. And I follow this guy, uh, I don't know if you know, Jerry Saltz. He's, a, he's, a, he's the editor of the New York Times magazine. I don't think so. And he's very, he's very big on Instagram. He's a very well-known art critic. And um, he's always saying what's good art and what's bad art. But then he's also saying that anyone can make, I appreciate good and bad art. And it's like, well, where do you draw the line between uh, what you think is good art? And it's all about maybe just respecting what people do. Um, and you can respect people, what you do. But then what I think sometimes we have to live in a bit of a meritocracy in this terms that if we didn't have a line of what was good art and bad art, um, why would we even hold up the greatest artists of all time and say, well, they made great work? Because then well, where, who, who's, who's drawing the lines of distinction? Um, so I think we get a little bit lost with that with social media and, and 
And then, and then it comes down to self-promotion because there's a lot of, like, if you've got enough money to uh, rent a gallery space and put up your works inside and people come and see it, there's an instant idea of, well, they must be a good artist because they're in a gallery space in London. It's like, well, maybe they've just got a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and then it, and then it becomes the, like this watered down version of like what gets popularized of, of what's good art, what's bad art, who even knows like what, what people are making and i think there is a bit too much of a saturation of that with social use of social media um but and then also then you, there's a lot of artists that are amazing and they get get lost between the, the they get lost in the cracks of all of this as well right so there's two questions i want to ask you based on what you've just said um and they go in two different directions so I'll choose one first and I'll choose the other. So the first one I was gonna I want to ask you is when we're talking about graphic content and you were saying about a severed head, which is funny. I kind of made me think like, how is it that when we watch TV, we can see violence on screen and nobody says a single thing? Yet if it was to put in a piece of art, people would complain. Like, why do you think there's such a distinction between like art and reality and or like art and kind of television? Like, why do you think people are like more riled up when they see it on, on a gallery wall as opposed to when they see it on a screen? I would say it's because, for me, I would say because film and maybe it's a film and, and TV are maybe seen more in context of it being a bit more like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I want to say low brow, but more a bit invasive uh, to the way we live our lives. And it's kind of not, um, it's I don't know. It's I think I think it speaks to the power of television and how it can be advertised and and how that is imprinted on I don't know. I guess the certain freedoms that people have to say, listen, I want to watch whatever the hell I want to watch. Um, and if you, that involves severed heads, then so be it. Um, and I guess it's grown up around uh, this. This uh, it's the long-standing progression of how TV and film. Have come up. Um, I mean, obviously, paintings already already had that, but do people? Is it because TV and film is seen to be more lowbrow than fine art, so then people get more riled up about the fact that, oh, hang on, this is a bit too graphic content because it ruins my sensibility of what I think art is, um, and I don't kind of don't want to see that, or. Am I quite happy to sit my kid down in front of Art Schwarzenegger killing a hundred people in a film? Um, but that doesn't really affect them because maybe they're not interested. But it definitely has an effect on society. Um, and I guess it plays a big, I think advertising plays a massive role in this as well. Um, as soon as, as long as people have been able to ma manipulate us through advertising and uh, the, the screen, um, we've kind of been addicted to it, I think, in that sense. And I, but where fine art, I think people can take it or leave it, you know. And that's like you don't have to go to a gallery and look at fine art. But I don't know. I don't. And you, I know you don't have to watch films, but I think it's more invasive than people would like to admit. Like everyone's seen like an action film, I guess, unless you live in the bloody hills or the mountains. Uh, but not everyone's been to a gallery to see fine art. So, 
Um, yeah, I'm, I guess that's my answer. That's a, that's a really, no, that's a really good answer. And it's a quite the question I randomly thought of whilst you're talking. So that's a really good answer. And actually, that's I've not something I've thought about in terms of films being like kind of somewhat invasive. Because I was going to say maybe it's because people consider TV and films to be more fictional than art because art, art is often seen as like a reflection of reality. It's often seen as kind of a mimic, whereas a film is often seen as a representation. Um, but yeah, that's I, your answer is great. I think that's absolutely interesting. That should give me a lot to think about when I re-listen to it back. Um, and I mean, I guess as well to, to to remark on what you just said, it's once you turn it into a physical object, it's there. Yeah. Your TV or your laptop is a physical object, but what's on it can be changed. Yeah. So it's that. I guess if we're going to talk, then we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's the reality and how that. How that um, how that sits with our conscience, I guess. Um, I was, I mean, I don't want to go back to this Hemingway documentary, but they were looking at the um, they were looking at uh, one of Goya's um, of, of one of the Greek gods eating his children. Oh yeah, yeah. Must have, absolutely. Yeah, I can't what the actual, yeah. So they were saying that they were using that metaphor to explain the end of his life about his relationship with his children um so it's maybe it's because fine art brings it more into reality than tv does and it upsets us in more of a uh, like this sort of visceral way um yeah that's the best as i could answer that and i'm very i'm very interested in how i mean i mean and this for me is like i do a lot of my learning through images and documentaries uh, because I find it, I find it hard to engage with books on a level like someone uh, would say. Oh, I've read hundreds of books about all of these subjects. I just physically can't do it because my dyslexia is such to a point where it either takes me too long, or I, I just can't physically do it. So I will, I'll read books in like, oh, what chapter or what interests me about this. But I mean, I can't honestly say the last time I finished a full book. Which was also really crappy, <laughs> not that interesting, you know, like a fantasy story. Yeah. Maybe The Hobbit, okay. Lord of the Rings. Sorry. I think Lord of the Rings is the only book that I've read cover to cover with, with any substantial size in my whole life. I just, yeah, I just, I find my information elsewhere. But people are different kind of learners. People are, you know, some people are great at reading, some people aren't, and I think that's nothing wrong with it. You know. mm, yeah, yeah. So the. But I would. I'd love to be that. I would love to be that person. But I just can't do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. But if you can't, you can't. It's kind of like at least you're. Like you acknowledge that fact, and you're like, "Yeah, that's cool." You know, rather than be like, you know, "Oh no, I can't do this." It's like, okay, so so you'll find the information elsewhere, and obviously it works for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I. I love engaging myself in documentaries, uh, like. I, I I'm like that person that's like oh yeah I've seen this I've seen that because I just spent my life sitting like in front of a screen uh, uh, watching endless old documentaries uh, about all sorts of things. But then sometimes you can't find that content. Like if you want to know about Baudrillard, it's you're not gonna you have to go to the books. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a bit sketchy, or unless you're gonna learn French. And, 
Uh, yeah, because it's... yeah, because otherwise you'll learn. You'll learn if you go to YouTube, for instance, you'll just learn other people's interpretations of the book. Yeah, and you won't understand oh, it firsthand. Yeah, or and if you find a hit like a, a, a an interview of him actually speaking, it's either in French or it's so old that it's barely even hearable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's kind of yeah, it's so there is downsides to it, but I, I work around it. So the second question I was going to ask you was about good images. So it's like, what was the last image that you saw? So okay, so what makes, in your opinion, so in your opinion, what makes a good image? And what was the last image or piece of media that you saw that impacted you? What makes a good image? I don't know. I, I ask myself this all the time. <laughs> uh, I, it, for me, it's like, I don't know what, what it's like that. Well, I don't know what that I see sometimes. That I'm like, wow, I'm really interested by. I think sometimes, for me, it's the technique and and just maybe the way that people use contrast, um, or the way that it's um, the way that a painting is set out. Like I can tell if it's been done in a clever way with a lot of thought behind the positioning and the shadows and where things lie within the picture. Uh, I guess I'm very impressed with that sort of level of meticulous planning. Um, like like the old masters that do the landscape paintings, uh, a lot of people would see that and go, oh, wonderful. But the amount of thought and planning and preparation that goes into to setting out these scenes is just incredible. And a lot of people gloss over that fact. If you look at like, things like Constable, it's like the, the meticulous work and the, the, the research that went into, like, he didn't just go down to the, the scene and paint it. It was, it was, it's got a lot of like, um, historical context behind the changing of the times that he was living in and all of these things that, um, that, that's the sort of thing I admire that, that goes into a good image and obviously technical ability. Um, uh, but just, I mean, as well, just like the raw, are they doing something I haven't seen before? Because when you get saturated with so many images, it's very rarely you're going to see something that you're like, oh, actually, do you know what? That's that's something I haven't seen before. Uh, yeah. That 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 really captures me, and that's I guess that's why I make my own work like that. So I want to try and create something that someone might say, "Wow, I've never seen that before." Um, yeah. And what was the second part of your question? No, you can ask that. <laughs> Uh, the second part was, what was the last thing that you saw? The last image or piece of media that you saw that captured your attention? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've said a lot about um, um, that Hemingway documentary. That really captured me. Just, just because I like stories about people's lives. Um, and the the um, the complexity of human beings and how how they can be so flawed and then create such great works, which I guess they're both married into together. I don't. I mean, I, I think some of the most complex and troubled people 
creates the best works uh, because I I don't know as if you're I don't know if there's no there's you have to I think you have to struggle to to find the beauty in life I don't know being I don't know like I said before I don't know if being too comfortable uh, so I, I like that I like that that I like them epic life stories so that really captured me uh, in terms of art, I was having a conversation as well with my friend about, I don't know if I really like fine art, you know, <laughs> I was even, I was questioning it myself, because I, I like to create fine, I like to create, I mean, what, what do you consider fine art? I'm really into like illustration and, um, I don't know, like 90s comic book art and yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in that like whole scene. Like people that can really draw, that really makes that, that, that's what I'm really interested in. Um, yeah. And then all the classics. I mean, I, I constantly go back to, which I will want, I always go back to this one drawer, this one painting that's, um, in the Tate Britain, uh, can't remember off the top of my head. It's by one of the pre-Raphaelites. Um, I think it's Malay, uh, and it's just like a it's a forest glistening with dew. And I'm um, I'm just I was fascinated. So I always go back and visit this one painting. Um, but I get fascinated by it because I love the way that he's captured the the glistening. Um, of like the, the dew off the leaves, like in, in such a way that it's, it's almost real. It's like that whole spectrum of light thing. Uh, that's one image that I go back to quite a lot. Um, yeah, I'd say that at the moment. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. That's absolutely awesome. <laughs> I have about three more questions, if that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. So the next question is from the last artist I interviewed, uh, a gentleman called Brennan Harris. And I always ask the person I'm interviewing for a question for the next person to interview. So his question for you is, what is the final goal for your art? Um, my fi the final goal for my art, um, well, the final goal for my art is to reach a level where I feel that I've explained the the world that I'm trying to create or explained my practice to such a level that it feels like there's no stone that hasn't been uncovered within um, things that I could explain about it um, if someone was to ask me or someone was to look at my work and say well he's covered like like I like I'm creating a whole society I kind of want there to be a little bit about everything and that would be the end goal for the actual work. Um, and then I guess I'd like to be, I always had a dream that I'd like to be recognised as in like, well, not a dream, but an ambition to be connected with some sort of science fiction um, books or, I mean, I was like, I grew up looking at the covers of science and fiction novels and things like that. I mean, that would be really cool. 
So like, just to be appreciated, you know, I don't know if I want anything more than that. <laughs> No, that's good. I think that's great. I think that's such a good mentality to have because then you throw away all of the expectation. Yeah. That's a good thing. So Yeah, just um, yeah. I don't expect much. <laughs> I expect more from myself. I don't know if I expect much from anyone else. <laughs> so do you have a yeah, question? Just to create some... So do you have a question oh, um, for the next artist interview? Okay, well, the next question for the next artist. Um oh. I kind of want to know something about him, but then that's horrible. I don't know, but um, the thing is, I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not, so I can't tell you for sure if that's going to be. Oh, okay. Um, if you could create... If if someone was to look back on you, you as an artist, would, what would they say that you achieved? That's a really good question. And actually, what I love about the question... <laughs> Is that it's very reflective of the way you think about your own work. That's what I really like about that question. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, just, yeah. Because it's like saying to them, about it's that. basically like saying to them, what's your legacy? Which yeah. is something you already time that you think about. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I guess that's the only reason people make art. If they, if they say that's, if they, if they say that's not the reason, then they're lying or they're not, I don't know, as you would say, a real artist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, highlight that and add that to their interview notes for hopefully tomorrow. Um, we shall see. Um, if not, I'll just have to send, ask it to whoever else is going to get interview next, which is cool. Okay, so I've only got about two more questions left. Um, okay, so cool. the penultimate question is going to be, how do you define the term contemporary art? Oh, good question. I don't define it right because I think it's a nonsense term. Um, I think it's a nonsense term that people attach to work to to make them sound like they understand what they're talking about. Um, because most of the time, I mean, there's this whole idea of who shifted the goalpost between what's modern, modern time, this, and you could say then it was when maybe art became a bit more conceptual um and then and then do we attach and then what, what do we attach the term contemporary to anything that uh, was made after a certain date i mean and then who's who's defining the terms i, I can't and obviously there is a, a truly academic answer to this but a lot of people that attach the word contemporary to anything they're doing don't understand i would say because it's such a sort of nuanced sort of strange term to add to what we would call art depending on when it's made so renaissance was contemporary then what what oh when are we going to stop calling things contemporary and when did it start i just i mean i don't know i find it to be a nonsense term Art is just art, whether it's been made. It's, isn't everything contemporary? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like it doesn't have an ending. It doesn't have an ending. It's not like you can say... I mean, there's definitely periods of time like where this art was happening. This art was... this. We're going with the modern or the abstract expressionists or the impressionists. That's when they were creating these types of works. And then if you move on to calling things contemporary. I just don't think it makes sense. 
<laughs> for me. Yeah. That's, that's a good that's a very good answer. And I like the fact you're very honest and I appreciate that a lot because I think you know you could have been like, oh contemporary arts this and it's like no, I appreciate the fact you're honest. Um, I think it's yeah, well just uh, I mean a lot of people I like I was gonna say a lot of people like to talk about a lot of things, but they kind of don't understand because yeah. the things they're quite they're quite complex subjects just, and just to label it as oh this is contemporary art it's like well i don't know have you really thought about that i mean i can can i ask you what you think contemporary art is i don't even know honestly at this point well, <laughs> I, I, I look at so much art i i couldn't say what is contemporary and what isn't however i do think looking at the hashtag contemporary art is actually a hashtag i follow on instagram and it is quite interesting well, to look I mean, through it in terms of to see who labels themselves as a contemporary artist which is why i like to ask people who are working now? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think it's Makes interesting. Sense. It's, it's a complicated question yeah. that I can't. I don't think has an answer. That's why I like asked. That's the kind of questions I like asking. So that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess. Well, I guess so. Um, <laughs> so the very last question, which is a double barrel question, is um, pretty much you know the basic. Basic is what are you currently working on, and where can people find more about you and your work? Um. Or you can go to my Instagram, which is um, <laughs> which is Alex underscore Beeston. So that's B E S T O N underscore Alex Beeston. I'm sure um, there'll be links. Uh, but okay. I um, and, and um, my I sell works. I sell prints of all of my latest works. Uh, there'll be more coming. Um, so you can email me at alexbeeston.com82. Um, email the standard stuff yeah. it's all on the instagram um uh, and what am i working on at the moment the the desert of the protein lottery um which is an old idea obviously which we discussed um but i'm also working on two things and a book at the same time so that's crazy actually two books i think but because one's more serious and one's more like um a children's book. Oh wow! With, with scientific sort of undertones. That's great. Um, That's it's, great. It's, it's, it, it's a fantasy meets science fiction. Um, uh, and then I'm drawing. I'm drawing the next phase of the approximation series, which is um, where I'm always talking about this idea of how everything is interconnected and everything is a contradiction. In, in sort of what we think, so I'm, I'm I'm sort of focusing on what this looks like as it would be presented to you in your face if you could look at all of the aspects and how they join up, like the singularity of a the singularity represented in computer board chips, which are connected to asteroids that fly through space, and uh, I've drawn a robin, which is represents. I've drawn a robin with his eyes poked out and stitched back together, which represents this new idea of um, how they're sort of looking at quantum mechanics in human beings, and they've realised that birds use quantum mechanics to fly and uh, know which direction they're going. Well, this is theory at the moment, but they're kind of getting to that thing. So it's just like we are. Even humans are quantum, um, quantum beings of level, um, and 
bit of time travel, um, uh, mixed in with all that. And I guess it's kind of comes back out from my dissertation about uh, um, a political uh, deity from a different dimension that comes to manipulate us for his own needs. Um, that's the book that I want to kind of start when I write. Um, the children's book is good fun. Um, and it, um, I'm kind of writing it just for a bit of fun so it's not, so I don't have to think about the heavy philosophy all the time. So I'm doing a bit of everything, you know. Uh, I like, I can, I like to dip in a lot. I'm doing okay. painting because of the laborious nature of my drawing. And sometimes that gets a bit on top of me, you know. I find my work will stagnate. And because I'm thinking the back of my head, well, can I bother sit down and do hours of that drawing? Because, uh, you know, because yeah. it can get, especially in the summer, yeah. um, the winter's where I, I tend to do a lot of my drawing. It's a lot easier, it's a little bit more comfortable and relaxed. And I love a rainy day. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's in a nutshell. Um, Royal College of Art, I've taken a year out. Just because of COVID. Yeah, of course. Save some money, work, and then I will join the end, by the end of May and then carry on my MA. Um, and then, yeah, who knows where it will go from there. But yeah, follow me. Hopefully, um, I will be involved in the RA summer exhibition, which is coming up in September. It's a bit, no, actually, I say I'll be involved. I've got to take a work to be judged. So I got through one round, so I've got to take oh. a po piece. That I I got to take a piece uh, that they selected to see. I mean, it's like uh, you know the the salons of the old days. Yeah. It's sort of that sort of thing where all of the pictures are put side by side. So that'll be quite interesting. Um, and yeah, anything else I can apply for really? So I'm sort of I do it just like my work. I do everything organically. I've got to work. Um, so I work as well. Um, to try and create one I can. So, yeah. That's crazy. You do so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. I don't feel like I do enough. Uh, yeah. Who does? Who does? Could be... Who does feel like they do enough? Yeah. I. I feel like I could do more art. Um. But I, I, it comes in stages. Yeah? Sure. It's like it's like it's yeah. waves. It comes in a wave. Yeah, and some days I can spend eight hours on something, and then other days I won't look at it for weeks. Yeah, that's that's normal. That's from yeah. from what I've spoken to people. That's perfectly normal. That's perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah. But you'd be you should be concerned if you're practically glued to your art twenty four seven every day and you're not sick of it. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so much. No problem. It was a pleasure talking to you. That concludes the second and final part of my conversation with Alex Beaston. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please email me at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of websites such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please consider subscribing, sharing, rating or reviewing on either of those platforms also don't forget to check out www.theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews 
If you're a creative, please get in touch if you'd like a chance to be featured interviewed. We also now have a Patreon page in case you'd like to support the platform further. Tears start at £1, so please head on over to Patreon if you're interested. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this interview today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.